Hey, and welcome to the Irish Training Podcast. I'm Steve Burge, and in this week's episode, I'm talking with Andy McElwain from GoDaddy. Now, Andy is a content strategist at GoDaddy, and what that basically means is he's responsible for large amounts of the WordPress content that they put out. They have a massive audience, they publish a lot of content, and Andy's in charge of making sure that the WordPress content is fresh, interesting, and relevant for people who are WordPress professionals. So we talk a lot about content strategy, and inevitably we touch on Gutenberg as well, and what kind of an impact Gutenberg will have on a company that publishes a lot of content like GoDaddy. Are they going to be rolling out Gutenberg for all their users immediately? Are they going to be taking it step by step? And how does Andy predict the future of Gutenberg for heavy duty publishers like GoDaddy. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, PublishPress. PublishPress is a plugin that can help you create great content in WordPress. There's a really beautiful editorial calendar so you can get a clear picture of all the planned and published content on your site. There are notifications so you can keep your team up to date with what's happening. There are custom statuses so you can pin a particular piece of content to the exact stage in your content workflow. And there's a ton of other features as well. If you have a busy site that publishes a lot of content, check out PublishPress at publishpress.com. Hey, Andy, welcome. Hi there. So you have been traveling to a whole bunch of different WordCamps, right? You seem to be in the WordCamp epicenter of North America, Canada, New York, WordCamps all around the area where you are. Yeah, we're quite the active zone for WordCamps. There's a lot of activity in the Northeast, so southern U.S. or southern Ontario, uh, the northern part of New York. There's a lot of stuff happening up here. Yeah, I seem to remember someone sharing a map on Twitter of all the WordCamps happening on a particular weekend. And there was about three or four of them just dotted along the U.S.-Canada border. I think maybe one on Niagara Falls, one near Toronto, one in upstate New York. Like you could you could jump in a car and hit three <laughs> WordCamps in a weekend easy. Pretty much, yeah. At some point, we're going to have to set these things up. So within a week, you can just road trip from Rochester, New York, all the way to Montreal, and you'll just hit a bunch of word counts along the way. <laughs> it start off in, in Toronto on Saturday and end up in Vancouver on Sunday or something. <laughs> Best phase two, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we could pull that off as well. So you are, you're based up in Toronto? Yes. And how would you describe your job at GoDaddy? I would say it is the dream job that I never thought I would have. So I'm responsible for looking after technical content on the GoDaddy blog, uh, which means I do a lot of work with WordPress. And a lot of the stuff that we cover is about WordPress because we also happen to uh, host a fair number of WordPress websites. So GoDaddy is a content machine. How much content would GoDaddy put on their blog in uh, the average week or month? Oof. Uh, well, just for my stuff, uh, we do about 15 to 16 articles a month. And then if you look at the amount of small business content that we put out there, I would gamble and say we probably do near 100 articles a month. We're currently sitting on about 4,000 articles in total and growing. And so GoDaddy has multiple different audiences. You have got the small business, you've got the WordPress audience, and each one of those has its own little vertical with its own mm -hmm. head of content. And you're particularly responsible for the technical WordPress side? Pretty much anything that uh, starts tying back into the tech stuff. For the last couple of years, it's been very focused on GoDaddy Pro, our program for uh, web designers and developers, uh, and WordPress, because that tends to be what uh, pros use to build websites. But then above and beyond that, when we start getting into 
our different types of products, whether it be email marketing or uh, our Go Central site builder, uh, I'm starting to spend more time looking at those products as well and how do we do content with that in the same way we've been doing it with WordPress for the last couple of years. Oh, that's probably a whole separate audience for, for GoDaddy, right? Is the, you've got the small business focus, you've got the, the pro WordPress user focus, and that's kind of where your, your content is headed. Yeah, that's where, and that's definitely where it's been uh, focused for the last uh, little bit. So what kind of content do you target to these WordPress professionals? Are they looking for the really in-depth technical articles you might see on um, uh, like a smashing mag or stuff with real meaty technical content? I would say that we, we've done a lot of experimenting and I feel like our sweet spot is somewhere in the middle where we act more as partners on helping with the business angle. So we've spent a lot of time producing content around how do you set up your business to do things like selling maintenance plans or offering different types of services to generate recurring revenue. I don't like going too deep on the technical just because I know there's so much amazing content out there from these great technical developer types that I feel like that's not really our sweet spot. And I'd much rather partner with those those sort of folks rather than trying to compete against them or rehash the content that they've already produced. Oh, okay. So your focus is helping in the, the WordPress small businesses to make money rather than to solve, how do I get the post ID or how do I, how do I write a little plugin? It's more about how do I make more money each month? Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the big reasons for that is when you look at where we're positioned, we have so many small business customers who need help and you have this world of web professionals who are looking for clients and looking to grow their own business and bring those two together, I think, is one of the, the greatest opportunities we have. So being able to provide the web professionals with the advice on how do you do that and how do you do that well in a way that is sustainable for you, but also a great experience for your clients, that's a, a big opportunity for us. You've written quite a lot on content strategy for high traffic sites how to figure out exactly what you want to write, what kind of approach you need to attract people. Uh, I saw you gave a presentation last week. You were talking about um, the difference between writing for search engines and writing for people that are going to be subscribed and interested in your content. What's the approach you take with GoDaddy? Are you looking to, to try and hit the number one ranking in the search engines all the time? Or are you looking to, to get people coming back and thinking, ah, that's, a, that's GoDaddy, that's going to be really interesting content? I think that it's... Again, going back to the experimentation, it's kind of a, a balance between the two because while it's always great to get on the first page of Google and get that much sought after first result or getting the rich snippet increasingly, if that isn't relevant traffic, then great, you're bringing a lot of people in. But if it's not the right audience, then it's not really doing anything to help your end goals. And at the end of the day, and it's the same advice I give to anybody who's looking at doing content, like you have to start with your goals. You have to look at what is it you're trying to do with this traffic that comes in. And so what I'm always trying to figure out is what is that sweet spot that we're hitting on the thing that we know will bring in traffic, but we're just going to bring in the right traffic. And we're going deep enough that we're able to secure those positions because a lot of other people are going after the same thing. How do you judge whether the the content strategy you have is successful? Are you judged on, on the purely the traffic you bring in or you're judged on the number of sales that start in the blog? How, how do you judge a campaign like the one you're running with GoDaddy? I think traffic overall is, when we're looking at quantitative metrics, tra traffic is the 
that first starting point. After that, you start looking at engagement metrics. So what's the bounce rate? Are people looking at multiple pages? If we see people ending up on product pages, are they coming in through our content? So being able to set up things like goal funnels in Google Analytics and just looking at that traffic flow from different articles through to a product page and then through to a checkout. All of those uh, little different approaches to just figure out what's happening with the traffic that's coming in. And so the uh, specific metrics are constantly shifting as we figure out what is the that number one true metric that we can point to to say that this is the, the, the best indicator of our success. Okay, so you need to be as much of a of a data guy as a content guy if you're doing a job like this. You need to <laughs> yeah. you need to be able to dig deep into the analytics and say this post is succeeding or failing on three or four different metrics in terms of driving sales, in terms of driving engagement, and mm-hmm. and and also understanding that when we talk about content, that content isn't just something that you put out into the world to bring new eyeballs in. A good amount of our traffic comes from existing users or existing customers. So we're also helping them. So the goals for something like that won't necessarily be a sale, but it might be, does this thing help them do more with their existing products? So then we're looking at retention. Or you might be doing something with related products, just as one example. Uh, And so they are an existing customer, they're not brand new, but you're trying to connect them with another product that complements something they already have. So you have, you're serving all these different goals with potentially the same piece of content, but depending on the audience, the objective of that content might be a bit different. So are you going out and, and cherry-picking the people you want to write for GoDaddy? Are you finding that you have the problem, okay, I need some articles on security, or I need some articles on creating a maintenance contract, or are you largely waiting for pitches for people to like someone who might be listening to this podcast, for example, they able to send in a pitch for publishing content on the GoDaddy blog? Oh yeah, we're always on we're always on the hunt for new contributors. We've done work with large groups of freelancers, and and we bring people in on a case by case basis. Uh, I've also done it where we have smaller team of contributors that regularly produce something. And it's, again, it's a constant experiment, just constantly iterating on what's the best approach. So you have a, um, a stable of people that keep writing for GoDaddy once a month, every, every couple of months? Yeah, you'll see that when you look at the blog and you look at the articles that are coming out. You'll see some familiar names come up again and again. We do, and I think this is true for pretty much any sort of company blog, you, you do develop a sort of relationship with certain contributors where... It just the, the the content that they're producing and the tie into what you're trying to go after is very strong. So you just keep running with that relationship. They have the right tone of voice. They take the the GoDaddy approach to things. Yeah. Are you just publishing it in English at this point, or is GoDaddy broad enough that you're spinning off into other languages too? We do have other regional blogs uh, that have come online in the last couple of years. They don't have the same volume as what we have on the U.S.-based GoDaddy Garage, but we do have other blogs. So if you head to GoDaddy.com and you're served up a different version, so for in my case, if I uh, hit GoDaddy.com, it'll throw me over to the Canadian version. If I go to the blog, it'll be our uh, Canadian blog. Huh. The content is substantially different, or you're just changing out the USD for the... Uh the CAD signs on the prices? 
You'll see a mix. Uh, if you were to go in and you were to compare the Canadian blog to the U.S. blog side by side, you'll see that some of the content on the Canadian blog is repurposed from the U.S. blog. But there's also increasingly more original content that's going up on these blogs. Is that a, a technical challenge with WordPress? Are you, are you hosting it all through one single WordPress site and then simply adding like a Canada tag and a U.S. <laughs> tag to post that need to be on both? Or how, how do you organize a busy multilingual site? Uh, WPML comes in handy. Okay. <laughs> it works well for, I guess, multiple languages at this point? Yeah, WPML. Uh, we use WPML for the localization of our international blogs, and it's uh, worked quite well for us so far. Okay. The elephant in the room, I guess, is that Gutenberg is about to drop in the next <laughs> month, two months, three months. How are you approaching adding Gutenberg to a to a busy, high-traffic blog in multiple languages like that? The two plugins, uh, Classic Editor and Gutenberg Ramp. <laughs> That's my magic solution. So, oh, we, so you're just <laughs> going to skip it for now? To a certain extent, yes. Okay. And the reason for that is you want to make sure that everything is stable and any UX bugs and everything else are addressed. That's always the case with new software. After it goes through a major release, you know there's going to be some hot fixes immediately coming out of it. The fact that we're going to December after this launches, it's just such a, a rough time to try and do anything big. So there's that. And then there's also all of the user considerations. So training, documentation, making sure everybody who's using the blog understands how to use Gutenberg. That's an entire piece unto itself. So between the classic editor and the ramp, we can maintain a lot of our existing processes. And we can slowly roll out Gutenberg as folks are comfortable with it. But in the end, I, I do think Gutenberg is a good thing, and it, I do want to have everybody on board with it. It'll just take a little bit of time. So for people that might not be familiar with it, the classic editor basically will switch back WordPress to the normal title and box that they're familiar with. What does Gutenberg Ramp do? So Gutenberg Ramp allows you to select the post types that uh, you're introducing Gutenberg to. So right now, with the Gutenberg plugin, when you're adding a new post, you can choose do you want it to be in the classic editor or well when you have the classic editor plugin installed as well you can choose between the two this allows you to define when i create a new post in a certain post type so let's say i create a page do i want to use gutenberg for this or do i want to use the classic editor for this and if i want to create a new post same deal so for me it's really just a way of uh, restricting the amount of exposure gutenberg has uh, until everybody's comfortable with it okay so you probably got a fairly technical set of people who are actually writing for you on the GoDaddy blog, how are you going, or how is GoDaddy as a whole going to approach rolling out Gutenberg for all your users? Are you going oh. to make 5.0 available on day one for the launch? Are you going to update people? I am the wrong person to ask for that one. I'm okay. not sure. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I have no answer for that. Do you actually allow your editors to, or your, so your content creators to log into your official GoDaddy WordPress sites and create content, or do you kind of keep them at arm's length in Google Docs? For some of our contributors, namely the internal contributors, we allow them into the blog. So uh, you'll notice this as well when you go to the garage that we have more of our colleagues publishing to the site. So they're all in uh, and using WordPress for our external contributors. So the, the majority of our contributors, yeah, we, we run through uh, an external contributing, uh, contributing process. And that's mostly for editing. 
just the collaboration and editing capabilities, whether it's through Google Docs or you're doing like Microsoft Word and Office 365, whatever the case may be, those environments are, <laughs> needless to say, they're a bit friendlier to collaboration and editing than WordPress is right now. Yeah. You deal with the content screen, you deal with the writing screen all the time. Just on a personal level, how are you feeling about Gutenberg now it's so close? Have you switched over your blog? Are you, do you feel like it's ready? Uh, what's your, what's your gut um, feeling about Gutenberg at the moment? At the moment, I feel like there are still... There are, I experience little gotchas here and there, timeouts, little issues, uh, finicky issues. I am using Gutenberg on my own site, and I really like the experience, and I think that the direction it's going in is absolutely the right direction. That was kind of my main point of the talk I just gave at WordCamp Rochester and uh, upstate New York, was that Gutenberg and what it's trying to do in terms of creating this better experience for end users, it's good. It's the right direction. It's the, the way we're getting there. I think there are some valid concerns. I know accessibility has been big on at least my radar over the last uh, couple of weeks, and a lot of the stuff's been coming out about that. But then beyond that, I think it's going to be a case of what happens after 5.0. I feel like we're at this milestone with WordPress 5.0 that what we see in the, the year that follows will determine whether or not this was successful. I've been around a whole bunch of different open source projects over the years, and nearly all of them have been through one of these major updates at some point, whether it's Drupal with Drupal 8 or Joomla two or three times, or Magento with Magento 2. And it's interesting in that it's hard to predict how it's going to turn out. Often I think you're right that it can take a year or so to understand whether it's energized the community or really brought it to a standstill. I remember talking with the, the guy that runs Concrete 5, which is one of the smaller CMSs, mm -hmm. and they did a Huge rewrite, probably even kind of bigger than Gutenberg. And he says his community and him and the lead team were completely re-energized because they'd got kind of tired and frustrated with all the limitations of the old platform. And they actually saw a, a kind of a leap in productivity and excitement. And I think the same thing happened in Magento, that everyone was kind of tired and frustrated with Magento 1. Magento 2 was such a good leap forward. On the other hand, you've seen it with Joomla and seen it with Drupal as well. There's been a, a noticeable drop-off in in the community after Drupal 8 came out and it took so long. And it could go either way. What's Gutenberg's effect going to be? Come back and uh, check in in a year or so's time, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. The early signs of what we're seeing with things like Atomic Blocks, where we're starting to see plugin developers picking up on this opportunity to create new blocks for Gutenberg. I feel like one of the signs of whether or not <laughs> this is going to really take off is from all of the existing functionality provided by plugin authors. And when I think of WordPress and I think of the success of WordPress, I think of plugins in particular because that's what brings the flexibility to WordPress. WordPress out of the box is great, but it's very straightforward for very simple websites. It's when you start bringing in the plugins. That's where the extensibility of WordPress really starts to flex its muscle. So we've seen atomic blocks. We saw the announcement of uh, advanced custom fields, uh, adding the capability to build out blocks within that field environment. I know ACF is huge 
for a lot of folks who build websites for clients. So if we can get a few more of those big cornerstone plugins coming over, I could see, for, uh, for example, some of the Beaver Builder modules and Elementor modules, those coming over and doing block equivalents. Once we have that library of stuff that you can use within Gutenberg, I think that'll be the catalyst to really win users over. And when the users are won over and they see that I can do new, interesting, powerful things with this new editor, then we'll be at a good point. But until that happens, there's just a lot of, well, I don't know how to use this new thing. I already have a workflow down with the existing editor, with my existing plugins. Uh, change is scary. So the key is probably to get some kind of a critical mass that at a certain point, Gutenberg really does become the default. The classic editor plugin gets left behind. Things like Elementor and Beaver Builder start to be built on top of Gutenberg. That's really the key whether WordPress as a community can get to the point where Gutenberg becomes the normal experience, that people start to forget about the old editor. Certainly from the work we do in the Drupal community, the old version is still the default, even after three years. I think it's probably 75% of the of Drupal sites are still on the old version, Drupal 7. And I think there's definitely a world in which in WordPress, 75% of sites stick to the classic editor because for whatever reason they're scared or the momentum isn't there to move them over to Gutenberg. I think one of the, um, the interesting shifts with 5.0 versus major changes we've seen in the past. So if you were to look at the customizer, the customizer came in and dramatically changed the way that we work with the widgets and we work with menus and things like that. But it was an addition to, it was this additional layer on top of existing WordPress experience. So you can still go in and work with widgets on the widget screen or go in and, and manage your menus the old way. But this was the new default, it was this new option. Now with the shift to the new editor, it's not like the classic editor is still bundled and easy to access. Once 5.0 drops and Gutenberg is in core, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that Gutenberg is all you'll see. If you want to go in and use the existing editor experience, you have to go in and add an additional plugin. So anybody that goes in and just runs an update, hits 5.0 because, hey, it's the latest and greatest and has all these new features, and we've been trained to do this over the years of just hit update, and most of the time everything will go fine. Now here's this brand new editor, and unless you already know that you need to go and install the classic editor, this is it. This is your new editing experience. I think that's going to catch a lot of folks off guard. It's a brave choice, kind of pushing all their chips in, to use a, a poker analogy, that betting everything on Gutenberg with no, no easy fallback. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree that it's a, we're going all in on this. This is the thing. I think uh, Mullenweg said in that essay he wrote last year in August, uh, we called it Gutenberg for a reason, made the comment about this is the moment, this is like the big thing, and it's really setting up to be a big thing. Is, what are you hearing from people when you go and give presentations at WordCamps about Gutenberg? What kind of feedback are you getting from the ordinary end users in the room? It depends. Folks who are more inclined to use WordPress as the equivalent of, let's say, Medium, <laughs> where they're, they are writers. They use WordPress as a blogging tool or a blogging platform or as a publishing platform. Gutenberg is, I feel, very much intended for them. 
and okay. that experience is really strong. It's the ones who are building websites for clients where they do a lot of stuff with ACF and other bit more powerful features where they see Gutenberg as a massive disruption to how they currently work. And that disruption is going to throw off their normal procedures. And that's where they're a bit more hesitant about it. Yeah, if you're a writer and you're presented with an interface that might be easier, where you can easily drag and drop blocks and images, it might be something you're quick to move on to. But if you're a developer who has an enormous set of tools and experiences based on a certain very PHP-defined skill set, and now everything is moving into JavaScript, into React, into a whole new paradigm, then you might be a lot more risk-adverse. So you've got Gutenberg up and running on your personal site, but not on... Um, on GoDaddy yet, you feel like it's it's the right direction for WordPress? You think that in a year's time, nearly all of the GoDaddy's WordPress sites will be using Gutenberg? Or? Uh, for our blogs, uh, most likely. Uh, okay. that's, what, that's what I want us to do. In terms of the sites we host, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't comment on that one. I'll certainly say that I've noticed in the last couple of years that I very rarely now run into people who set up a small WordPress site for themselves. Um, if it's a local charity, if it's a non-profit, if it's a um, local soccer club or sports team, they'll go to, to Wix, to Weebly, to Squarespace, perhaps to WordPress.com, which is a change from a couple of years ago when I think WordPress was the default entry option for people. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe Gutenberg is an attempt to capture that market back. I think so. I think uh, going back to that essay that Matt Mullenweg wrote, he called it out very clearly where he's talking about the millions and millions of sites that aren't online, the small businesses that don't have sites. And they're the ones that are going to site builders. And he even says in that article, aka the next big audience we should be focusing on. So it, it's definitely in the DNA of Gutenberg and WordPress to go after this crowd that is currently going over to the SaaS site builder solutions. Is there an easy way to reach those people without an enormous marketing budget? How does a company like GoDaddy, I guess, has a marketing budget? How do they reach all those people that aren't online? So we have a similar solution as well, right? Like we have Go Central, which is our website builder. And it's kind of a two-parter here because the, the beautiful thing about WordPress is the functionality that is above and beyond what you're going to be able to do with the site builder. But then the site builders do offer that quick and easy solution to get something up and running. And if that is the thing that you're after, I think that's where Gutenberg and then what comes after Gutenberg with the rest of WordPress being that easy to, uh, to work with. That'll solve for that, but until that time, the site builders are the ones that have the attention because they're the ones that have that solution that lives up to the expectation that's set of them being easy to use. In terms of how to get there, in order to make that happen, it's two parts. One is that the awareness has to be there, and that does require marketing. And the second piece is your ground game has to be strong. You have to be down on the ground locally, uh, working with small businesses, working with people who are trying to get up and running and helping them through that experience. I seem to remember Automatic was doing a, an actual physical tour where they were going around and holding events and trying to attract small businesses. You can have the TV advertisements all you want, but there's work that can be done in physically traveling around as well. How, how does GoDaddy approach it? Is it a question of spending money on ads? You know, you turn on the Premier League soccer and you'll see GoDaddy banners there and GoDaddy banners everywhere. Is there some investments in holding events and kind of 
physically sitting down with people to yeah to get uh, them online? We uh, we have a, a great events team. Depending on uh, where you are in the world, you may have met them at uh, WordCamps. We've been very active at WordCamps, and we've also started to make more of an appearance at other events as well. Yeah, I think that's that's step one, right? It's being where people are and being able to have that face-to-face interaction and giving them an opportunity to experience things uh, one-on-one. The online advertising and everything else is a great way to just get on the radar, but until someone's had the opportunity to actually work with something hands-on, everything is very abstract. Okay, so Andy, you're a content strategy guy at GoDaddy. Is Gutenberg going to upend how you approach it? Are you going to be perhaps a lot more multimedia heavy? Gutenberg obviously exposes the, the video and the images and the audio elements much more heavily. Is it going to change how people write in WordPress? Not just in terms of physically how they write, but in terms of the content they produce? I think so, and I think it's a good thing. I'm going to riff uh, lightly on uh, my talk from Rochester. So when we look at the existing WordPress experience, it's very text-driven. That's where we started. But when we look at content on the web now, it's really a diverse mix of media. Everything is not just a wall of text with some stuff sprinkled in with images and assets. It is a compilation of all these different touch points and all these different forms of media. Gutenberg is set up well for that. So I think that will bring more attention to other forms of media and how do we incorporate and tie other forms of media into what we're creating. In terms of the content strategy part of it, what I like about Gutenberg is that it gives us an opportunity to start thinking in terms of components, what are the different things that we hit on. So when we're going through the execution piece, we figure out what we want to cover, what content we want to produce. Gutenberg makes it really easy to start templating things. And I think that's a great way to give folks a framework to build on top of so that you're not redoing everything from scratch every single time. So you can really focus on the strategy and then iterate on the framework so that you're just working more efficiently. So there's a reusable template feature in Gutenberg. So you could define what a GoDaddy post or a particular type of GoDaddy post looks like and provide them with a pre-filled template that they can update. Yeah, and even right now, uh, something that I've started doing, this was one of my tips from uh, the talk, was use Gutenberg, create placeholder blocks, like create your structure with placeholder blocks, the things you know you want to use in your blog posts or guides or interviews, whatever, and then use the duplicate post plugin and just duplicate that template post and replace the placeholder content. So it's it's nothing that we have to wait to start doing. It's something we can start doing now. And it's just an easy way to start uh, riffing on the capabilities of Gutenberg. Yeah, I think there's a certain limitation of experience. I was going to say imagination, but experience is probably the better way to say it. That people have just not used block builders like this very much, particularly if you're more technical and you're used to doing writing and short codes. And the people on our team that I've shown Gutenberg to for the first time haven't really wrapped their heads around it until they've seen the demo and all the placeholder content that comes with the Gutenberg demo. They have sample videos and sample header images and hero images. Even if you've been playing around with it for quite a while, it's, it's such a different experience that almost every time I talk with someone about Gutenberg, I kind of get a new idea of how to use it, like talking with you about templates. Now, I forgot they had the reusable templates that could be used to provide like real useful templates for content strategy people. 
Yeah, and once you start getting to the developer side of things, if you have a good developer partnered with someone really thinking about content strategy, there's a lot of potential here. Like once you start defining what are the blocks that you can have on a certain post type, and yeah, <laughs> lots of opportunity. The problem at the moment is we certainly don't know if Gutenberg is going to be successful because we don't even quite know what can be done with it yet. It's still at such an early age. The good ideas growing from it haven't quite haven't grown yet. The best practices haven't been decided yet. It's still such an early stage that yeah, every time I talk with someone about Gutenberg, there's a new idea thrown up that I hadn't considered before. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to happen over the next year after Gutenberg drops in 5.0. That's going to be our first real opportunity to see, well, what can people do with the new editor? Because up until now, it's, I believe, mostly people just testing. And when you're testing, you're still it's still kind of in the abstract because you're not really using it in the same way as if you were to go out and build a site with it. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's not until the implementation comes that you know if it's going to work or not. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a note in my calendar, mid-October 2019. <laughs> we'll jump back on a call with you and, and see how well Gutenberg has done and how well we've done with our implementations a year later. Sounds good. <laughs> so, Andy, thanks for being with us. How can people keep up with you and what you and GoDaddy are doing? AndyMCI on Twitter. That's my main place of activity or AndyMCI.com. And your main content that you're publishing at GoDaddy is at the GoDaddy Garage? Yeah. So in the US, it's godaddy.com slash garage. And then for our local blogs, it's whatever.godaddy.com forward slash blog. It's on the homepage, uh, blog top right. And I presume if anyone's going to WoodCamp Nashville, they'll probably see you and an enormous GoDaddy team there? Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, all the best with the Gutenberg launch and rolling it out to GoDaddy. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon, Andy. Thank you. Appreciate it.